Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Best of All Leading League Sports Podcast. On this week, we obviously have the College Football Fridays as we're going to do a quick breakdown of all the big games going on this weekend. So first of all, the biggest matchup of the day. Um, and on top of that, just like right now for the year for both of these two teams, Penn State versus Ohio State, huge matchup. Obviously, uh, one of their biggest games in their respective schedules. Obviously, the Buckeyes, I mean, they've played up against Notre Dame as a notable opponent. And then also Penn State has played against Iowa, who's now again ranked. Um, but let's go ahead and jump right into it, y'all, because they're the, the little, the little trifecta of the Buckeyes the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines all playing against each other. Um, I feel like whoever's able to get out of that trifecta and, and one of those teams go out and, and be undefeated, they also have a really strong case. And I, I know I've mentioned in the Pac-12, if a team like USC wins out uh, in their respective schedule, um, that they'd probably be number one in the country. But I feel like if, if Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan do, I think that they really have a strong case to be number one in the country for sure. Um, but obviously, let's take a look at the matchup in depth. So for Penn State, obviously, there are a few games behind in the series against the Buckeyes in, in total, like with their rivalry and their past uh, playing history. But... Um, you know, if somehow Penn State can break through and finally make that CFP spot, I think that'll really, really kind of change the tide when it comes to just just adding a third team in there of, of you know, we always hear in their conference is it's either Michigan or Ohio State, Michigan or Ohio State. But if, if Penn State can win out, it can beat both Michigan and, and Ohio State. I mean, I know right now they're number seven, but... I think I think I I know that there's other teams that deserve to be a little bit higher. I mean, obviously, I mean like with Washington, Washington's been playing really good, and also like maybe you can make an argument for Florida State as well. But um, you really need to take into consideration um, the significance of playing these two teams and if they're able to beat both of them. And that's the same thing like for Ohio State. If Ohio State does it, I mean they'll probably be number one. If Michigan does it, they'll probably be number one. So if Michigan, uh, Ohio State or Penn State can beat can beat the other two like so Penn State could beat Michigan and Ohio State or if or if Ohio State could beat uh both Penn State and Michigan you know or if Michigan can beat both the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions I think that just kind of makes it a little bit more of a definitive case to be to be a certified lock um before the before you know the conference title matchups and for them to be in a in a higher ranked spot than they are right now um and, and obviously for Penn State, the one thing that has been so fun to watch is like their offense because, I mean, right now they've been putting up at least 30 a game minimum. Their highest scoring opponent that they played against was West Virginia, and they put up 15 on Penn State. Um, but, you know, on, on defense, they've they've gotten they, – they've shown a lot of potential on that defensive side. And, like, I know that, like, there's been, there's been a little bit of a – some of the comments that I've came across and I said that both these teams have really played like some of the most elite competition. Like I know that, I know that Ohio state played Notre Dame and you know, I know that they just played Maryland and I know that they, they've been playing some of the other teams as well. And, and Penn state has kind of done the same thing too, but right now this is definitely their biggest test in both of the, in both of their schedules right now. And for Penn state, man, I mean, Drew Alar has been absolutely balling out. Nick Singleton been playing really well in the run game. And, um, what you really have to watch out for is Penn State has to get very creative against that defense of Ohio State because that that defense that they have, I think that they are going to make 
make the offensive line struggle a lot. I mean, and also the entire defense. The entire defense is very was is very scary against Ohio State. I mean, for them to hold a high scoring team like Notre Dame to only fourteen points, that really goes to show something. But I know that I know that uh, Notre Dame um, is is basically out of the conversation to compete for the CFP. But earlier on in the season, you know, they were trampling teams. They were trampling teams, and and on top of that, well, I mean, they basically just did. They just did against USC. So what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is, this defense of Penn State has to be absolutely top notch. But you really cannot overlook that entire offensive. Um, you can't overlook that offensive efficiency that Penn State has, but that defense can really counter it because you got guys like um, you got Proctor, Ransom, uh, Tuimalau, and then also you got Steel Chambers. Those are some of the biggest names on that Ohio State defense that are going to be looking to cover. But you got guys like Trayson Potts, Nick Singleton, and also, like I said, you have Drew Allar, who's going to be leading the team. And Ohio State has to really impose their will. And I think one of the ways that they're, they're going to do that and what they've been trying to do all season, and they've done a pretty good job, is mixing targets such as, like I said, or well, actually, no, not not like I said, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brandon Ennis, Cade Stover, and, and of course, Chip Traynham. And that defense, they I think for Penn State, if they can use guys like Zane Durant, Kobe King, uh, Keon Wiley, and, and Zariah Fisher, those are all guys that that are going to be pivotal in this matchup against Ohio State. And, and these guys right here can really boost their own resumes to maybe even get drafted uh, higher if they decide to go. Um, and, you know, I think for, for them, this is definitely one of their make-or-break games, obviously, for, for the Nittany Lions. And right now, I mean, that team that Ohio State has on the offense has gotten so much better. Kyle McCord is getting better and better. Um, you know, you got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, like I said, Chip Trainum. Carnal Tate, those are just some of the biggest guys on on the offense. And I think I think the one thing that that Ohio State also can do, I really think that in, in the first bits of the game, I think that the defense is gonna have their way a little bit with Penn State. But I think eventually Penn State might break through. And you got guys also, I mean, look at look at who you have. I mean, you have Keandre Lambert Smith. You have Trayson Potts. Those are some guys that are really fun to watch, especially especially when they're going for for um for balls. You know when uh, Drew's uh, throwing to them, and I really I really am interested to see how Ohio State is going to be covering on the on the offense for for uh for Penn State. But you know, just the Buckeyes so far. I mean, they definitely have to tidy up that defense when it comes to who they're going to play uh, next in terms of like who's like the strongest in their schedule, and that's Michigan for sure. I mean, Michigan's offense to me is a little bit better than it's a little bit better than than Penn State from what we've seen, and I know based on competition, but I'm just saying like that it it just is what it is. Um, you know, I just think that for for Ohio State, their defense has to be absolutely on one. Um, and, and I think that their run game is definitely going to be a, a key in this game. But if Penn State can stop that, if Penn State can stop that, that that's what's really going to make this interesting. I think the matchup is going to be so much more different than a lot of people think. Because if Chip, if Chip Trainum and on top of that, just the entire run game of Ohio State gets stopped, I mean, I think Penn State has a really good chance of winning this game. But um, the next one we got, guys, is UCF versus Oklahoma. So for Oklahoma, I mean, after stunning Texas in their last game out, I mean, it was a great game. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel's been playing absolutely incredible. And you got guys, 
um, yeah, guys like Tui uh, Lacey, Dejon Terry, Kendall Dolby, those are all great guys on the offense that played really well. And on top of that, just um, uh, and, and the defense as well. Um, the defense, I mean, you had Jaron Kanak, you had uh, Ethan Downs, Jacob Lacey, uh, Dejon Terry, and Kendall Dolby, just like I said. But you know, for for Oklahoma to go out and and play such a great game and take advantage of of the takeaways against Texas, they were able to really really punch the Longhorns in the mouth. And I was really I was really interested to see because that was like one of Texas's biggest games right now in like you know in their in their conference. And then for them to lose, like even though it was a close game, for them to lose, very frustrating to watch right there. Like for anyone who's a Texas fan and. You know when when those when those two teams come together, they're really fun to watch because it's almost destined to be a shootout. Um, like the past few years have been absolute shootouts. Like ever since high school, like there's just been games where they put up at least thirty on each other. Um, and you know it's really fun to watch. But I mean, I think Oklahoma will be able to win this one pretty convincingly against U uh, UCF. Now the next one we have is number eleven Alabama versus number seventeen Tennessee. Now for Alabama, man, I mean. The one thing that I was kind of very confused about is after they lost to Texas, I don't know why they, I mean, and we've seen this, is just it's just make that QB switch where I'm like, dude, Jalen Milrow can play well. And I know that I know that they're not in the place that they want to be, but this game right here is the type of game to get them to where the tide needs to be um, and in the, in the standards that, you know, Nick Saban sets every time. Um you know, like I said, Jalen Milrow, he's definitely getting back on form. In his last two games, he's put up five TDs and one INT. That's pretty That's pretty darn good. Um, and, you know, that receiving core has Burton, Knee Black, and, and you also got to watch out for uh, McClellan. McClellan has a really good um, game, especially with the, with the run game. And for him, if they shut down the running game of Tennessee, considering that how well that they've been getting better, I think that Alabama. I think Alabama is just gonna have like that one, that one little shift of momentum, and then they're gonna take the momentum for the rest of the game. And I think that just their air attack is so freaking good, and that defense against Tennessee is going to is gonna absolutely punish them in a way. Because you know, I mean, you have guys like Terrian Arnold, Tresman Marshall, and they're all gonna be trying to throw Milton off his game. But you know Tennessee, even though even though they lost against against uh, Florida and they lost in a pretty bad way, um, I think that if they're gonna win two in a row right here, they're definitely gonna have to like after after lose almost losing to Texas A&M uh, and and they won by seven, they definitely have a chance to eliminate the tide from CFP contention for sure. But I mean both of these two teams, if they won out, they would they would probably have like a little minor shot, but. Obviously, this is a do-or-die game um, for both teams. And, you know, for Milton, man, I mean, he's definitely been pretty decent. And, you know, he's been a great replacement so far um, with with, uh, with uh, Hendon Hooker last year. Um, but I just think I just think that with him, he's not exactly the same type of player. But he's definitely in, in the same kind of, like – stratosphere of what Tennessee needs in their QB for sure. And that defense that they have, James Pierce Jr., Tyler Barron, Kamal Hayden, those are all guys on that defense that have to stop that run game. They have to stop the run game. And on top of that too, you know, we've seen over the past few games, I mean, Milton, I mean, Milton has played pretty decent. 
But the one thing that, that that defense can really do is put the pain on on uh, on Jalen Milrow because Jalen Milrow he's gotten he's gotten really pressured multiple different times. He's gotten pressured multiple different times, and he's gotten taken down multiple times. I mean, with Texas, and then even a little bit with Arkansas. He they they have to get Milrow out of the pocket. They have to absolutely blitz the the offensive line. For Alabama because if they collapse the pocket just a smidge that's definitely going to just cause some low IQ passes from Milrow and perhaps maybe create some really crucial takeaways now the next one we have is Washington State versus number nine Oregon now for Washington State I mean the Cougars like the one thing that's so interesting to watch right now about college football is how unpredictable some of these conferences are right now because for Washington State they were rocked against Arizona and Arizona put up 44 points on the Cougars, and they will have to face Oregon, who's coming off of a loss in a close game against Washington. But, you know, the defense of Arizona shut down Cam Ward, and they have a whole lot of talent. Um, and he only threw for 192 yards, but an INT in that rushing offense only had 35 yards rushing. And personally, with, with that offense that Washington State has, they can definitely score multiple different points against Oregon. But I think Oregon is just a lot, a lot better, well-rounded, and they played a really good game last time. Bo Nix played really good, uh, you know, and both teams were just caught in a slugfest. It was back and forth the entire time, and just that that secondary of the Ducks were just getting clipped up by, by uh, how well Phoenix was playing, and you know it was very frustrating uh, for Oregon fans to watch. I can only imagine, <laughs> but you know. Even though they dropped, they still have the chance to make it back into the top into the top four, top five. It really depends. I mean, obviously they have to win this game. Then they got Utah. Then they got California. Then they play up against USC. Then they play up against Oregon State. So, I mean, with all being with that with that all being said, I mean, make no make no mistake about it. Their running game played great. They played really great, and then on top of that, too, just the secondary and and just the defense, like they're still good enough to win against against the Huskies. They could win the they could win a rematch if Oregon plays against the Huskies yet again. And because personally, right now, the way that you know USC just just had it against against freaking Notre Dame, and like we've seen it, we've seen kind of signs about this a little bit throughout the season is. When they've played up against some of these teams that have higher scoring offenses, they they just struggle because their defense just can't handle it. I mean, I, I remember like that when Oregon played against Colorado. Oregon was able to stop Colorado, and I know that I know that there's a lot of comparisons of of well, you know, you know, Colorado is still is still surging. They're still on the upswing. I mean, and they've done really good. They've done great so far. I mean, they've they've had more success this year in the past. Like I don't know how many, but. For Oregon, they were able to shut down every single facet of the game, and when Oregon when Oregon went on to to play this game, uh, this past game, they were looking like one of the top top teams in the Pac-12, and they still do. They still do. It's just that for these great teams in the Pac-12, it seems that the defenses get punished the most for sure. And there are a lot of high-scoring opponents that they're going to have to go up against if they're if there's going to be a Pac-12 team going into the top four. That's just my opinion because look at who these teams. I mean, look at look at what just happened to USC. You know, like when they played against Colorado, Colorado came back and the defense is on the back foot. Even though they like the the one thing that is really crucial for USC from now until the end of the season, their defense has to get better. And on top of that, too, just 
I think Notre Dame really saw their entire mentality. And what I mean by that is just because they have a good offense, they can win games. But you you have to play great on both ends of the football and, and on both ends of the field. You have to play great on defense in order to set up opportunities on offense. And that's exactly what Notre Dame was able to do because Notre Dame was able to constantly make Caleb Williams you know, uncomfortable, scramble, and make bad throws because he was under pressure. And that's exactly what Notre Dame did really, really well. And for them, it goes to show that USC, it looks like right now, going up against some of these teams like in the top four, personally, I think that if USC goes in there, if they did, they would get smoked by every single one, my opinion, like that. Because I just I just don't see it. Especially like if, if USC somehow snuck in and maybe they played Florida State or if they played Michigan – or if they played, or if they played Georgia, and Georgia hasn't really played some of the best. I mean, I know that they've been starting to play a few ranked teams, but you know, I just think any team right now in the top four would easily beat USC for sure. And and for Oregon, man, I mean, Oregon definitely has the opportunity to bounce back, and they also have the opportunity to to move forward and and to get back into the top five and maybe even top four. I mean, it really just depends on how the rest of the title race goes in the Pac-12, considering that Washington, they have big games coming up. But personally, like right now, I just see that Washington, I think Washington can beat USC. I really do. I really think that Washington can beat USC as of right now. But give it give it like a little bit of time. I think that also Oregon, um, I think that Oregon can really come back and win. Uh, and and maybe and well no I'm I'm not saying like um, win the Pac-12 yet but I'm just saying like it'd be interesting to see a rematch between the Huskies and, and Oregon I think that'd be a really fun game for sure um, but the next matchup we have is Texas versus Houston now for for Texas man I mean they fell for the first time this season against uh, Oklahoma I mean just the defense of Oklahoma played absolutely great and even though Quinn Ewers he played pretty good 340 uh, 346 yards one TD but he had two INTs and Jonathan Brooks had one TD on the ground that defense had multiple different takeaways uh, with the with INTs with the fumble um, they were just able to take the momentum away from that high scoring offense that that the Longhorns have and you know you have great guys on that team on that defense. You have Jedi, you have Jedi Barron, you have Jalen Ford, you have Anthony Hill Jr. Those are great guys that, um, those are great guys that really make the defense stand stand out. And I think that they're really going to have a great revenge game against Houston. I think that they're probably going to win that one pretty convincingly. Now the next one we have is number ten UNC versus Virginia. Now. For for UNC, I mean, Drake May, I mean, he's been playing really good so far. I mean, last time out, four TDs, 250 yards throwing. Uh, well, actually, no, uh, 250 plus. Uh, Deontay Walker had three receiving TDs, and the and the defense has threats everywhere. Cedric Gray, uh, Kamen Rucker, uh, Power Equals, those are all some of the best defensive players that are going to shut down the Virginia offense. And, and even though Virginia is is struggling right now, Anything can happen in the ACC or anything can happen in, in multiple different conferences. I mean, we've seen it happen before time and time again. And, uh, you know, the offensive efficiency from the running back of Marion Hampton, I mean, he's played so good this season. And, uh, you know, the Tar Heels right now, they're looking really, really good. And even though even though right now they've, they've been playing against uh, teams 
and they've been playing pretty well. They've only had one game that they that they escaped by, and that was against Appalachian State. And that was a really close game because Appalachian State, they'll just come from out of nowhere and just rock one of your favorite teams. <laughs> um, but, you know, they definitely have a very steep schedule after this matchup because they have six ACC opponents left, including Arch Nemesis Duke, which is going to be very interesting to see because normally we see that rivalry in basketball with high stakes on the line, but this time it's going to be in football, and you already know it's going to be a packed house that night. Now the next one we have is Ole Miss versus Auburn. Now, although the Rebels might be 5-1, and one, they definitely have the pieces that they can fix to make the team better and, and like then how they came into this year. Because, you know, Ole Miss, when they played, like, when they played up against against LSU, um, that was a do-or-die game for both. And and when you lose one game in, in the regular season, you know it's do-or-die. You have to win every single game to, to even make it, to even be considered, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, this game right here against Auburn, I mean, Auburn was one of the teams that, that made Georgia look human already. And, and one of those teams that kind of already did that, too, was South Carolina in a way. But, you know, Jackson Dart in that offense has been so good. I mean, they've beaten Tulane, and I know that Tulane might not be in the same kind of conference. I get that. But, you know, for them to also survive a shootout with, with LSU with a great game back and forth, that offense of, of, uh, of Ole Miss is so good to watch, but... It's just the defense as well that's that's just been caught in some of the biggest slugfests of the year so far. Well, no, no, not even just some of the biggest slugfests, but, you know, they have a great offense. But once that great offense can be shut down, that's where the defense has so much pressure. And we've seen that time and time again with some, of the, with, with some great teams. And that was like one thing that we saw from Alabama when they played up against um, when they played up against USF. When they played up against USF, that was one of the most stunning things to me because you normally do not see someone like Alabama struggle against a team um, like like USF and because USF was able to even though even though Alabama even though Alabama won seventeen three. Look at how they played in the first in the first half. Three points. It was three three at half. Like you don't see that for Alabama. And once the offense got a little bit rolling, they were able to take over the game. So what I'm trying to say is for Ole Miss, I mean, the defense the defense has great guys. John Sanders, J.J. Peggs. I mean, um, you have Jared Ivey, Ashanti Sistrunk. Those are some great guys that can really try to cause problems against some of the bigger teams. And when they play up against Georgia later on this year, they might have the biggest threat to go up against for the Georgia defense. Because right now, I've said it time and time again, I just don't really think that Georgia deserves to be in the number one spot. That's just my opinion. Um, and, you know, when you go up against Auburn, I mean, even though even though they, they might not have the best record, they definitely have the ability to to cause shakeups in this, in this, in this conference. Because they nearly beat number one Georgia in a very close loss. That offense struggled to get going against LSU, and that offense got trampled by the Tiger defense, obviously, when they played up against LSU. Um, but you know, the pass defense has to be great against Jackson Dart. And that's where, you know, guys like Eugene Asante come from, uh, or that's where he's going to come into play when they go up against the rebels and the offense. I mean, you have Peyton Thorne. I mean, he did really good against, against Georgia. And I think that once I think I thought that in that game, once Auburn got a smidge of momentum, they were able to take it. They were able to take over in a little bit. So I think the game might be a little bit closer but I think, I think Ole Miss is eventually going to pull away at the end. Now, the next one we have is Minnesota versus number 24, Iowa. So, Iowa, I mean, even though they lost to Penn State in a shutout, um, they were able to get better. And, and right now, I mean, in their last three, 
and they've won three straight, I mean, they've been scoring at least 20 points. And they've had a few close games against teams like Wisconsin, Purdue, and Michigan State. But, you know, they have Deacon Hill now leading the helm, and it's a little bit different than what they're used to. And LaShawn Williams, Eric All, Deontay Vines, those are all going to be some of the best weapons for Deacon Hill. And Deacon Hill really needs to settle, settle into the QB role right now. Um, and that defense, man, that defense for Iowa – uh, for the past few years have been pretty talented. But I remember I remember last year, or maybe the year before was it, I remember when they were talking about, like, where's the offense? They have the defense, but where's the offense? And, you know, if you want the defense, here it is. Cooper DeGene, Jamari Harris, and Sebastian Castro, those are all going to be guys that are going to try to dominate the action for the Golden Gophers. And, you know, they're reeling after a really bad loss to Michigan, but, I mean, it's Michigan. Um but so far this year, they've had high-scoring efforts already as well. I mean, the Gophers, in their past three, they put up at least a combined 79 points in their past three. Um, and, and Ethan uh, Kaliak uh, Manis, that guy is, is a freaking dynamic quarterback in itself. And that defense, that, def- that, that run game has to absolutely flatten Iowa, but I think Iowa is just going to be ready for all facets of the game. Um, and the next one we have is South Carolina versus Missouri. Now, last year, I remember when South Carolina played against against uh, Missouri. And South Carolina had good moments against Missouri, but they were unable to win. But for South Carolina, even though they might be 2-4, and four, they definitely have put up really close games. And, you know, they've shown that their offense is really a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, only losing by 10 against Georgia. And almost beating Florida Florida and Florida is very night and day. They're either they're either pretty good or they or they they go from they go from playing great offense to either getting like shaken down to only 13 points. You know, it's very weird to see how Florida plays sometimes. Um but you know, the defense the defense of South Carolina has to be super sharp. I mean, Debo Williams, TJ Sanders, Jordan Strike Strike uh Strikin, they have to get to Brandon Cook for sure because I mean Brady Cook. Brady Cook is one of the best um, QBs that that we've seen for Missouri in quite some time. Um, and even though they lost to LSU, they were able. Even though Missouri lost to LSU, they were hanging with one of the top dogs. They're hanging. They're hanging one of the top dogs in the SEC when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. And the Tigers definitely have a tall order against someone like Spencer Rattler in that defense. They can definitely cover, depending on how well Darius Robinson, Johnny Walker Jr., and Philip Roach are all going to need to get to Rattler and not just over-blitzing because Rattler can – he has great awareness and on top of that, he can make big plays happen as well. Um, now the next one we got is Air Force versus Navy. So for this, even though Navy are 3-3, three and three, they've gotten better ever since they played against Notre Dame, obviously, and they have Braxton Woodson at the helm of the offense, and you have Alex Texa. Those are all guys that are going to play really good and try to dominate the defense of the Falcons, and right now the Falcons have been playing great, man. I mean, in four straight games, they put up at least 30-plus, and I think right now, I mean, Zach, Zachary Larrier is looking so much better. Um, you know, as the time goes on and their team is getting so much better as well. And like, I've, I don't think in my lifetime, I've really seen uh, a team like a team like Air Force get ranked. And for them to do that, I mean, that's a huge achievement for them. Um, and I think that for this one, I think that the Air Force is just going to is just going to um, is going to prove that, you know, in the air, it's a little bit better than the water. But um, <laughs> but the next one we also have is uh, Tulane versus North Texas. So for Tulane, I mean, even though they lost one game against Ole Miss, they were able to bounce back with four straight, and they were also able to get over 
Um, they're going to have to try to get over North Texas, I mean, and to try to get back into the top 15 or, or maybe even the top 20. And Michael Pratt, I mean, he's a great quarterback. He's been killing it, 256, uh, 259 yards, one TD, um, along with Makai Hughes, who had 130 yards and a TD in his last game out. And their defensive weapons with Darius, uh, with Darius Hodges, uh, Patrick Jenkins, and also um, Cam, uh, Cam uh, Pettisclue, those are, are – yeah, Pettisclue – I think that for Tulane, I think that they, I don't think that, I mean, obviously I don't think that they're going to make it uh, into the top, you know, 10 or anything like that, but, you know, they could be a team that can probably win a, a big, <laughs> a big bowl game over maybe like an out of conference opponent. I mean, it don't, I don't know, might happen, might not. Um, but the next one we have is number two, Michigan versus Michigan State. Now for Michigan, I mean, they've done really well this season. And like I said, they might not have played some of the best competition as we've seen. Um, but you know, sometimes they start off slow, but then they turn on the jets. I mean, you got, you got JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, um, and the defense, they've been playing really well. And after, and, and when it comes to all their opponents, I mean, their opponents at least score once a game. And on top of that too, their defense had trouble with uh, Minnesota scoring 10 points in the most they've allowed, uh, so far. Um, but I mean, you never know with Michigan State, man, because with this rivalry, it's like just like many of the other rivalries, you have no idea what's going to happen with Michigan State. Uh, you know, beyond all the controversy over there, um, but we're really going to have to see how that game goes out. Now we have uh, LSU versus Army. Now LSU's offense—they've been absolutely awesome to watch this season. And even though they might not have been, uh, they might not have a perfect record. They're just really fun to watch. I mean, Jane Daniels performs each time. The Tigers have won close games, and uh, they've lost two big games to eliminate their chances to compete for a CF, uh, CFP spot. They lost to, um, they lost to uh, Florida State. Um, and on top of that, you know, they've really they've really been showing that their offense is is as good as they can as as good as they can as good as they can get, you know, but for them, it's just it's just really it's really hard sometimes watching them, considering that for them, well actually no, they don't they don't have a I'm sorry, my bad. They don't have two losses yet. Um but right now, I think I think for them, man, you know, they really have a chance to to really move forward, and I think if they can knock off Alabama again this year, I think that that will really make things a whole lot more interesting in the SEC, considering that how tight this conference normally is. Um, but you know, imagine if Alabama loses to Tennessee. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm just saying, just imagine that. Because uh, the teams, the teams right now in the top. In the top 25, there's so many different curveballs. And on top of that, too, there's so many different teams that you'd probably look at. Oh, wait, no, actually, hang on. I, I was right the first time. LSU did lose twice. Um, sorry about that. I was, I'm just kind of all over the place. Um, but, I mean, guys, just LSU, and they've been dragged out. They've been drug out into a few slugfests here and there. I mean, they've, they've almost lost a close game against Missouri. They've nearly, um, you know, they, they nearly lost to Arkansas. They... They lost against Ole Miss, and then on top of that too, they kind of got shut down a little against a little bit against Florida State. So the defense has guys that that are really talented. I mean, Harold Perkins, Makai Wingo, Major Burns. Those are all some of the best guys on that defense. And I really think that when they play against Army this weekend, I think that they're going to be able to have an absolutely pivotal uh, matchup here and and kind of show what that defense can do, and hopefully play really well when they go up against Alabama for them. 
Um, but now the next one we have is number 16, Duke versus Florida State. Now, this is a very big matchup for the ACC as Duke, even though so far they've had a great season, obviously. I mean, they beat Clemson. Uh, they almost beat Notre Dame. Came in back, They came back a little bit, and then they just beat NC State. Um, and they also have – they like right now they have three ranked opponents so far left in their schedule. Um, you know, Duke is looking a whole lot better. Um, but the one thing – like, I mean, then, then like they normally would – um, and, and those other three teams right now that, that are left in their schedule, I mean, they got to go up against Louisville, who's, who's very scary to watch. Um, you also have UNC and obviously you have Florida state. So for Duke though, even though they might not have, uh, Riley Leonard, their offense, their offense has been, definitely been getting a whole lot better. And, and Henry Balin, I mean, he's been playing pretty good. He had uh, 107 yards, two TDs, and one INT his last time out. And uh, guys like Jalen Calhoun and uh, Hazley, both really good on the receiving core. Uh, and the defense of Duke have, have to get to Jordan Travis as soon as possible. But uh, personally, in this matchup, I really think that Florida State is going to be a little bit more explosive. And and that's how that's one way to ex- that's just one way to explain. Or express how good that offense is. I mean, look at who they have. Keon Coleman, Trey Benson, uh, Hakeem Williams. Those are all guys that are on the offense that really punish folks. And, you know, when Jordan Travis gets going, he's really fun to watch as well. Um, and even though they've had two close games so far in their in their, uh, in their their conference, they definitely have guys on defense that can definitely cover as well. I mean, you have Joshua Farmer, Shaheen Brown, Kalen DeLoke. And for this one, this is definitely a pivotal matchup for both teams. Uh, to kind of set the tone for the rest of the ACC title race. But personally with this one, I think it's going to be fun in the beginning. But I think that just the offensive efficiency that Florida State has, I think that they're going to be able to pull away and probably win by at least two, three scores. Now the next one we have is Clemson versus Miami. Now, so for Clemson, man, I mean, you already know me. I love Clemson, but uh, I'm just going to be honest with this one. So they've definitely been able to show off their shaky, talented, up-and-down, side-to-side team yet again with another struggle fest over Wake Forest, man. I mean, and over these past three weeks, they've put up great but horrible offensive efforts, in my opinion. Because it just it's not necessarily the players, man. It's just sometimes the play calling. The play calling is not good, or on top of that, too, just we have stuff that we try that we just that we're just not accustomed to doing. And, you know, it's just it's just frustrating considering the fact that you know, earlier this season, we could have, like, just depending on how we looked later on in the year, how we played up against Florida State. If we even played a smidge like that against against Duke in the first game of the season, I think we probably could have won, but we just had so many offensive miscues. And then against Florida State, man, just that horrible play call. And then we were able to beat Syracuse. I mean, we played really good against Syracuse. That's our best win so far this season uh, in terms of interconference opponents. Um and, and we barely beat Wake Forest, and Wake Forest has gotten a little bit not like they haven't really been the best considering when uh, you know Sam Hartman left to go to Notre Dame. Um, but you know this matchup right here, man. I mean, they this this team, man. It has so many great talented people. Uh, yeah, Phil Moffa, Will Shipley, great guys that can strike at any time in the season. But I just think that Moffa right now is a little bit more efficient, personally. I just think that Moffa is a little bit more efficient uh, than Shipley right now, as what I can see. Um, and also, guys, you have you have the receiving core. You have you have Collins. You have Brinningstool. You have Tyler Brown. You have so many great guys that that can be really utilized, but not in the right way with the play calling. And Cade, Cade's been looking all right, but 
just the defense of Clemson also. I mean, guys, we have Ruka Rororo. We have we have Wade Woodaz. We have Barrett Carter. We also have on top of that Xavier Thomas and, and Jeremiah Trotter, guys. I mean, so many fun guys to watch when they when they get into their flow. And that offense is just what needs to get better from, from top to bottom. Because I think even though Miami has a great offense, they just suffered a big shocker against Georgia Tech and a 10-point loss to UNC. And the Hurricanes are now no longer ranked, but they still have a good team as well. And Van Dyke, he's been struggling with two INTs the last time when he played up against the Tar Heels, and he threw for 391 yards but four TDs. But, you know, Drake May just put up four TDs, and the, and the offense just had over 200-plus rushing yards. And that's something that we have to utilize against Miami because – I mean, if the running game can get going, I mean, Miami really struggled with the creativity of the run game from from UNC. And with our great running threats, I think that we can win this game, but it really depends on how the coaches execute this matchup. Now, the next one we have is Utah versus number 18, USC. Now, guys, for Utah, I mean, they had a great performance last time out, winning uh, winning by 20 against California, but I know California might not be the deepest team Uh in the Pac-12, or they might not have the best record, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, the the Utes, the Utes looked a little bit better. Bryson Barnes had 128 yards when uh, with uh, Sion Vaki running for uh, uh, running for two TDs. Jaquindon Jackson and Bryson Barnes also ran for a TD, although the offense had two TDs. Um, that defense definitely needs to take some notes from what Notre Dame just did to UNC and pressure Williams, man, because although the Utes haven't been – putting up the greatest of offensive performances in terms of like how many points they score. Um, the Utes, they definitely been holding teams to a maximum of only 21 points. That's the most that they've allowed all season. And in terms of how this UFC offense performs with Caleb Williams and, you know, he's been putting up, he's been leading the team to at least putting up maybe 40 a game. And the Trojans were only, they were held to 20 last time out. And they're definitely going to be looking for a vengeance. And, and Marshawn Lloyd, he's one of the best running backs in college football right now. But I mean, I think everything that offense offers, I think that they can. I think that they can really defeat Utah. But it just it just really depends on how well Utah's offense can. Well, no, not offense. It, it really depends on how their defense can cover against USC. Because if they if they can even replicate a smidge of the pressure, I think that they're going to be able to get to Caleb Williams, man. Because he got dominated. They got dominated by by Notre Dame. I mean, Caleb Williams had three picks and lost by twenty eight. I mean, in time and time again, their defensive efficiency is is what lacks compared to some of the other teams in the top ten. Um, and for Notre Dame, I mean, they were just able to make them go on the back foot, make them make them make like make them make them throw bad throws, and and you know, just it was a game of momentum, one takeaway, a score on the other side, and and for the Trojans, I mean, they just have to return to form and put up a really dominant performance if they're going to try to get back. And, you know, last year, Utah beat them twice. They had a sweep. So in terms of this, I mean, it was just all momentum. It was all momentum. USC looked like they were coming back, but then it just got shut down by a kickoff return. So for this, it's just a battle of whose of who's team can, can have the better momentum when it comes to both sides of the ball. Because for Utah... They have to get takeaways, and if their offense doesn't play well, then all the pressure is going to be back on that defense. And you already know Caleb Williams is probably going to break th- is probably going to break free and win. Um, but we're going to see how that goes. And then we have Washington versus Arizona State. So for Washington, I mean, they played their heart out last time, played a great game, came up big, beating uh, beating Oregon uh, after Oregon missed a game tying uh, field goal. 
the offense is so good to watch, man, with uh, Michael Penix Jr. I mean, been playing really good. Dylan Johnson played awesome last time out. But the Huskies' defense, they've been taken to the limit, and they've had a hard time as of late. You know, they struggled a little bit um, in their past few games. And the thing is, there's so many other teams in the Pac-12 that a lot of people don't really give the proper credit to, depending on like who, depending on like who's watching. Because look at who Washington struggled against before. They struggled against Arizona, but Arizona just beat Washington State, and that just goes to show that that even though this conference, you might look at some of their records, some of these teams can be night and day, and they can and they can literally light a match and just burn the whole thing down. So for these for these teams, the defense has to shape up. I mean, in their final four games of the season, they're going to have tests on that defense. USC, Utah, Oregon State, those are all great games that they're going to have to go up against. And I know and I know like their their game after this is going to be up against Stanford, but Stanford right now, you have to take a look at how Stanford's doing because like when they go up against UCLA, I mean UCLA they lost their last time out against Oregon State by 12, but they fluctuated in and out of the rankings and they have they might be able um to be the, like they might be the victim of an upset or they might be the ones to eliminate USC. It really depends on how on how they do for the rest of the season because the, the offensive struggles against Oregon State were apparent with Dante Moore. He had three INTs, and the Bruins had only gotten held to – I mean, they got they got held due to some of those. And their offense is is great, but those struggles will be their downfall. And, and I think if they play up against USC, I mean, they might have a chance to make it entertaining early, but I could see USC just, just constantly – constantly pedaling with with Caleb Williams and Marshawn Lloyd and eventually just scoring multiple times. But I mean, the the Bruins defense has to be absolutely great against Stanford because Stanford just pulled off a great win against against uh, Colorado. I mean, they had the biggest comeback win in their school history and with Ashton Daniels balling out with 396 yards and four TDs, that really just goes to show that Stanford even though, I mean, like I said, look at look at their record right now. I mean, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at that record, because the record right now they might not it might not be the best, but dude, <laughs> they have an opportunity. They're two and four. They might have they might be two and four, but there are some teams in the Pac-12 that might not even be ranked, but they can catch fire and they can really, you know, shock a team like that. And and for them, if that offense can start off just like that, I think that they're probably going to beat UCLA. But you know, for Stanford. Stanford, I mean, Stanford's becoming a sneaky team after that, but I don't really know if they could beat UCLA. I mean, we're really gonna have to see how it all fo- uh, how it all unfolds. But I'm really interested to watch all these games this weekend. So thank you guys so much for listening to the combat, uh, not to the combat, to the college football Friday series on on the podcast, and I will talk to you guys next time.